Welcome back to another episode of Bed Talks. I am without my fearless partner tonight, so you guys bear with me, but we'll still make it fun. And I was like, we still got to do this show because um, me and this next guest have been trying to connect for a while. We had to wait for the holidays to get through. And, you know, he also has a busy schedule too. He's doing relationship work. You're going to learn more about that. So I want to take time to introduce Mr. Sean Heineman to the show. Welcome, welcome. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you doing this evening? I am doing great. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to have you on the show because I feel like you speak to something that is super important. And that is your, your, your whole title, Scary to Remarry. And I think, you know, we definitely know people have, you know, trepidation sometimes moving towards the first marriage, right? But like going to the second or third marriage, that's like a whole nother level. And I actually have done like a ton of research on this um, as far as looking statistically at how relationships, you know, flow. And the first marriage, now divorce rates are actually between like 41 to 50%. So that means people are actually waiting longer to get married or really doing a lot of more pre-work before they get married, which I think is phenomenal. That makes me very happy. But then when you get to that second and third marriage, your chances of the marriage working diminish pretty significantly. So I remember reading that once you're like at your third marriage, you have a less than like 23% or 27% chance of the marriage uh, working. So I think, I, I'm just curious tonight to hear how you talk people <laughs> into jumping that broom figuratively and literally again. So why don't you just tell people a little bit about like the work you do um, and why, what, you know, what prompted you to really talk about this topic? Yes, um, as you said in the intro, my name is Sean Heineman. Um, I'm a marriage preparation coach and I teach people to love fearlessly especially if you desire to do this marriage thing again. Uh, and when I talk about love fearlessly, it's about opening your heart. It's about being receptive to love again, uh, which I think a lot of people struggle with. Uh, they struggle with their feelings. They struggle with, am I doing the right thing again? So that's where I come in and give you a little more clarity in which direction to take. Um, I'm an advocate for people who are single, right? Like if you just want to stay single, like stay single kind right. of thing. Uh, marriage isn't for everyone. I tell people that. But for those who's willing to take the journey, uh, that's where I come into it. Yeah, I, I love what you said, like love fearlessly. But I think this is the thing people should keep in mind, even though they are afraid to like take that leap again. Because a lot of times people pour so much into that first relationship is there's a lot of learnings that come out of relationships even when they don't work. So I know we use failure as the bad F word, but I, I feel like failure is also a way to like learn forward. And I mean, I wouldn't be in the relationship I am in now if I didn't go through some situations that A, maybe I shouldn't have participated in or been in, or maybe there was just relationships I was trying to make it work and it wasn't the right relationship for me to be in at that time or even going through marriage before because this is my second marriage um too and just like learning oh that didn't work so well or i need to adjust here or there so i think the other piece is just the self-accountability factor but then there's other you know complications too like i think there's the fear that people have because they poured so much into it and then finally like regrouping and finding themselves again and being afraid that, okay, I don't want to make that same mistake. And then there's the complexity sometimes of blending families. So that's a whole nother scenario. So how do you like work with people to get them prepared for those you know, pieces of it as well? Well, like you said before, accountability is huge. Um, I had 
got a t-shirt that said accountability isn't a curse word right mm -hmm. so being accountable it's like all you're doing is saying this is where i went wrong i think that's a big part that a lot of people struggle with today is admitting this is where i messed up Right. I believe one of the reasons that I was able to heal from my last marriage was because I took accountability for my actions. Mm. Um, so I, I believe that. And I just tell people that if you're willing to take accountability, uh, get some therapy, do the work, what does that work look like? It just depends on what you've been through. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some issues are a little more, uh, more detailed than others. Um, and whether that's through therapy, your therapist give you some, some homework assignments to get done, stick with those assignments, uh, read the books, have an accountability partner. I think those things are very important. And that way you're always in this place to where it's like, oh, okay, I'm better than I was, you know, three months ago. Mm -hmm. and, and you can see that progress. And that's, and then that's how you build up your confidence. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying about the accountability. I'm really big on that. Like, I know we talk about self-love and taking care of ourselves. And I think that is important. But I think taking care of ourselves is also recognizing our shortcomings or our opportunities to, like, learn and grow and get better. And I think, you know, one of the, the exercises I usually take my clients through is sometimes if the relationship ended and people still, you know, they communicate well with each other, is going back and saying, hey, can you share with me some things you think I, you know, that you saw I could maybe do better or could have done better in the relationship. And I think what people learn when they go through this exercise is there's like common threads of how you show up in a relationship. And and this is like you and I, we coach people, but we take our hats off after this and we have the same challenges that you guys have, which is why we're passionate about it. It's like we're holding ourselves accountable too. And we really want to give people tools that work. But until you really can, you know, acknowledge things, um, that you have issues with or change that behavior, I think that's where people see kind of the same pattern happening over and over again. So instead of fearing it, it's more so embracing it. And I think the other piece is like, you know, you're so close to yourself. You can't see yourself. And I think that's why relationships are hard. That's why you could be in your single zone and be feeling really good about yourself and things are cool. Because <laughs> it's just you, yourself, and I, right? And it's like, and it's like, then you get with someone and they like are exposing things like left and right. You're like, wait a minute, I, I'm good over here. And it's uncomfortable, right? Because they're challenging you on some things that you just sometimes can't see or have awareness to or things that wouldn't really come up until you're in that partnership with someone. So I, you know, we touched on it like lightly when someone is considering remarrying and we say, we're not saying marriage is for everyone because some people really don't want to be married. And I agree with you, people being upfront about that versus playing the card of like stringing someone along. I, I think it's always better to state your position. If that's not for you, it's not for you. But what if someone is really trying to like suss out, okay, they've been married before or they have children and they're like, okay, I know I care about this person. I love this person but they just still have trepidation. Like, what do you, you know, how do you talk them through or walk them through that process of getting past, you know, that fear? Yeah, I think one of them that works really well is saying that, like, the great traits that you see in this person. Like, what do you see in this person that you really enjoy? And that's when they face light up and they can give you this list of things, right? You know, and you get the butterflies going and all those things. So I, that's one of the things that get people excited. Um, and then another one is about the parenting. Because the blended family, that's that's a whole show in mm -hmm. itself, right? Mm -hmm. It's 
how is the relationship between you and your your ex? Because that can be that can be like a deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah. And if the kids are older, you probably have a better chance of the relationship mm-hmm. working because hopefully you're not having these in-depth conversations with your ex. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think the issues come into play is when the kids are younger and then the ex might feel some kind of way once they found out that you moved on. Yeah, and and I think like being realistic, even when we go to connect with one person is challenging because, you know, or there's challenges to it, I should say, because each of us come with our own mindset, our own culture, our own belief systems, our own practices. And that usually is getting people to whatever, wherever they are. So they're like, this is good. I'm good. Someone comes along, you're in the relationship with them. So now they have their practices, their belief systems. You have to figure out how to meld them together. Um, you have to figure out like where there's, you know, where it's complementary, where there's conflict, where there's opportunity, because some, where you might be strong in one area, another person may be weak in that area or that you may be weak in an area that they're strong in. So there's all of that. So then when you think about like the blending, I think the reason that's com- you know complex at times is now you're introducing other families because like and, and this is why when people have kids, you know, by multiple you know, parents, I, I don't think we always think about this, but it's like you're now dealing not just with your family system, but now their family system and the other person's family system and then all the dynamics of that family. So that adds layers um, to the relationship. So I agree with you when they're younger, like really understanding the dynamics of how they co-parent. I think that's such a huge sign um, because when you have a child, as much as you may want to not deal with your ex, even if you've broken up, that's sometimes just you have a child together. You, you're, you know, that's co-parenting. Um, and I think digging into that's important. I think as they're older, you're right. It, it may be less um, distressed because like they're more evolved. Maybe they've been divorced for a while. But I just I like what you you know you're saying that there's just different layers to this um, process. What do you feel like is people's like biggest challenge that you hear the most when it comes to uh, remarrying? Having the security and knowing that they're making the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a whole course I'm working on now is just having the confidence to, to take that chance again because mm-hmm. um, you, you've you been married to someone for you know, a certain amount of years and then all you can think in your head is I couldn't I, I, I didn't see the red flags right you feel <laughs> foolish you, know? you feel foolish and I think too you're yeah. like I invested all this time I invested all this effort I invested all this energy but this is the thing, like, there's usually something beautiful that came out of even the worst relationship situation. There's something that you got out of it. It may, At the end, I think it's very easy to look back and just, like, attack all the things in that relationship. But I think if you look towards the beginning of why you got in that relationship, there's probably something about that person's personality. Or maybe they made you laugh. Or maybe they're, you, you enjoyed certain experiences with them. Or maybe you had a child, which was a blessing. So I feel like even... You know, if we could reframe that a little bit um, as opposed to tearing it down completely, because there's a reason that you jumped in initially and and not beating yourself so much up, beating yourself up so much about the red flags, (laughs) which I think it's easy to do that. But I think it's it's, it's more it's smarter probably to say, okay, let me have more self-awareness now. Like, okay, I didn't see that, but let me be more aware, because I think what happens to your point, the fear is people become hyper vigilant. So then they look for reasons to exit subconsciously to protect themselves. Yep. Yep. Which isn't always, which isn't a good thing at all. Because you can be possibly missing out on someone good 
Yeah. And because of that hypervigilance, you know, you're just ready to just throw in a towel. Oh, nope. He, he closed the door with his left hand, you know. Right. My ex closed the door with, with his left hand. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. You have to be more mindful um, and relax. Like, just take it down a couple of notches. Yeah. You know, you get out here and you start dating again. It's okay. You know, sometimes I think when people get back out in the dating scene after the divorce, they just, they're on 10. Mm-hmm. And you can just take the, the date for what it is. You know, nothing more, nothing less. Just take your time and, and that's okay. Because I think when we start having those super high expectations again is when we get yeah, I like what you said, like the dating. Um, I have a mentor that does mental health work as well. And he always says like dating is a discovery period. It's really a time for you to just be patient and observant and just see how it feels. Cause you don't, it's the introduction to someone. You don't really know them. We know when you get married, you're still learning uh, the person and you're with them day to day. But then when you start breaking up the day, we go to work eight hours a day like some people more right we sleep six to eight hours a day and then what six hours is remaining and then there's commuting time and then there's like some time with your partner sometimes you don't get that much time with your partner so when you accumulate even that number you really you're it's a short period of time to really know someone is what i'm saying so now dating you're not with living with them but you're on the outskirts of interacting with them so of course you know chris rock has a stand-up thing about this that when you meet <laughs> when you first meet someone you're meeting a representative not that real person so there's that period because we're putting our best foot forward so i think like if we looked at dating it's just like okay an opportunity to really explore to see just how how it goes I, I think we put so much pressure on it and I think with the online dating apps it's harder because I've talked to people about this that I coach they're like by the time you get to the date with the person you're feeling so much angst and pressure to like create a spark create chemistry to figure out if it's going to work so it's cut down on that period of you just normally getting to know that person and sometimes when we're meeting people in real life versus a dating app, I feel like people are more apt to give it a little more time. There, there, there might be people you wouldn't just rule out versus if you're looking at a picture, you'd be like, nah, I'm gonna swipe past this person. <laughs> Cause you might meet them in real life and be like, oh, they have a cool sense of humor or, you know, they're kind of nerdy, but I kind of like their awkwardness. So I just feel like people need to give themselves that grace in that period and, and you know, acknowledge like, yeah, I'm afraid. I am afraid. Like, I, I think that's a normal, I didn't get remarried for a long time. I won't even say because it was a long time because I was that person that was like, I'm never getting remarried. <laughs> I'm never getting remarried. And it, and it was crazy because I was dating and I think I lost out on opportunities because my mindset was so fixed that I wasn't going to commit. So I probably was throwing off situations of people who were ready or willing to commit. Um, so I say that to people to say, like, I was listening to Shannon Sharp and I love me some Shannon Sharp, but he was like, yeah, I'll take care of you. I'll pay your bills, but I'm not opening the door for you. And I was like, dang, but Shannon, what if you met that chick that had what you wanted and she really didn't care about you paying her bills, but she cared more so about you being opening the door of those gestures. And I, and all I could think was like, man, sometimes we set ourselves up in that moment of like shutting down things potentially because of something that happened because there's a history to why he feels that way yeah there's someone he opened the door for and something happened it didn't go the way he thought it would go he adjusted and he's like i'm never gonna adjust in that way so i think dating is like that like we get stuck because we had an experience and we just stay there um as opposed to kind of like taking that for that person or that particular mm -hmm. experience as opposed to layering it to every next experience which could mm -hmm. limit us from being 
connected to what we want. So I don't know if you've seen that, but I was curious your thoughts. It, yeah, I think I think the biggest struggle is, especially with dating, can we give someone a clean slate? Mm. I and I think that's the thing. You know, subconsciously, yeah. just thinking to yourself while you're on this date, clean slate, clean slate. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's easy for us to take these cues or, or my ex was like this or the, the girl I dated in high school it's like no be present mm-hmm. and I even had to learn this for myself so it's like be present take it for what it is get that person a clean slate because it's a beautiful thing if they can do the same thing for you too right you know and we want all this excess yeah. baggage you know and we want that so like what's interesting to me is we could be very hard on other people but we want grace on ourselves so I often think, you know, like as you're thinking about the other person and you're, you know, you're judging them, think about how you would want them to judge you and how you wouldn't want them to judge you in ways. So like having that same mutual, like understanding here, like, oh, shoot, like I here I am. I made mistakes. I'm not per- none of us are perfect in a way. Right. Uh, we're complete. And the Bible does talk about completeness. So that's a whole nother show. And we're complete, we're complete in different areas, but none of us, you know, a lot of times we're not completed till we have relationships where parents, we go through things right in life to get that completeness or that maturity in certain areas. So I just think like giving people grace around the areas where they're not complete is similar to how we're given grace, not just by God, <laughs> but by people that loved us too through our, you know, our difficult moments or our moments where they, where they could have easily given up on us. So I just think we need to be a little more forgiving because you hear a lot of real strong stances on like, this person has to have this, 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 and this, they have to do this. And I just don't think that's always realistic because people, again, are at different areas of development. Yeah. And, and I want to add to that because if you can practice grace while you're dating, it's 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 pretty good to have it in marriage, right? Right. You know, if you if you're used to cutting people off when you're dating, I mean, you get married, you're so used to cutting people off. You're like, I'll cut you off too. I've been cutting people right. off for the past twenty years. You know, so I think it's good to practice grace while you're in that dating stage because you will need it when you when you're married. Yeah, that is so true. Like I I think about that all the time. Me and my husband talk about that. Like you can either focus in on all the deficits or you could focus in on the positives and continue to work through the deficits and, I, and i'm not by any means tell, telling people to be in relationships where people just are messed up and like stay there i'm talking about when people are trying or when they're making an effort or you see growth in them and they're you know and you're helping each other along because each of us does have areas like i said of opportunity where we can get better so i i think you're right like if you don't have grace or you can't give grace in a relationship it's gonna be really difficult for you to be married <laughs> Because mm-hmm. and, and not to to get off topic, I was I was talking about this the other day, when we, and I guess I'm telling my age when we were growing up, if we had a bike that was broken, we took the time to fix it, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever we had, I mean, we duct taped that thing, whatever it was. Now we just throw things away, and then here comes the Amazon truck, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what we do with people. We just discard people and we just ready for Amazon to drop off that next man or woman, you know, so. Yeah, Yeah. I call it immediate gratification. I talked about this, like it's killing relationships because people are like looking for immediate gratification. And the reality is I've been very fortunate. So like I, I talk about this a lot. My parents were married 57 years and 
my grandparents 60 years and aunts and uncles 40 plus years. So I saw a lot of longevity in relationships and none of those relationships were perfect. You know, but they, but the thing I saw was this willingness to lean in and partner, to reset. Like even when I saw people around me go through difficult moments, even when they were like, I'm done, like, you know, I'm frustrated. They, they really weren't, they would just take that moment and they would come back and say, okay, how do we work through this? And that's the grace piece you're talking about. And that's kind of the similar concept you're talking about with the bike. Like you have to be willing to repair. I, I see a lot of people running and avoiding um, and, and situations and relationships, but what you do have to learn how to do is repair. Cause there's gonna be relationships that are tilted one way that aren't relationships that you can really sustain all the time, but you may have to sustain to some degree because maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a, a sibling or child. And so I think there's so much power in teaching people like that process of how you repair and even creating a framework around what you need, right? Setting your boundaries and all that. I believe in that, but to your point, I think we are in a, a, a culture now where people feel like they have a lot of choices. And it's funny because when they measured um, like the online dating apps, as far as people ending up in like long-term relationships, the number of people who end up married or living together or just a committed relationship is less than 20%. So even though quantity wise, it feels like there's a lot of choices, the quality is still similar because the outcome of people's choosing, you know, to, to, to actually go there for connection, right? And they're looking for that connection. I'm not saying everyone's looking for a long-term commitment on an app, date, online dating app, but some people are. It's still such a low percentage, which tells me that the, it's not the quantity piece, it's the quality piece, and it's how we build up the right tools to have you know, healthy relationships that create that longevity. So it's, I just thought that was so interesting. Yes, great marriages aren't found, but they're built. Yes, and I watched it and I saw it and I thought, oh, this will be easy. <laughs> not oh because i because i was around it i was like i can figure this out yay um and then i was like shoot they made that look easier than what it was um <laughs> you know and i remember my mom i would always say like what is it that like made you stay in there with my dad and she's like patience and prayer <laughs> you know and, and and so they had things they were tied together on so i just think you know if, and, and she would always say too even she said i still learn things about your dad and i'm like really so even you're in like almost 60 years you still learning things and she's like yep i still am learning and so that just shows the evolution of how we have to evolve you know with our our relationships too they were always growing yes. so what do you yes. yeah keep going i'm sorry oh no i was sad no i said that's so good yeah so what do you feel like what stories have you enjoyed because i know you've worked with people you talk about this topic um you're passionate about it and i want to hear your story too of how you, you, you say you learned a lot from your first marriage around accountability that you applied to your second marriage. But I'm curious to hear like what have been some success stories of people you've worked with and then just your own journey, if you could walk us through that too. Ooh, I had a, I had a couple that I interviewed. I had a, a marriage work series and which is funny, like this is, <laughs> I was with my ex-wife at the time, right? Mm. and. Uh, we, we we coaching this couple infidelity happened and they talk about it in the in the interview and this was maybe ooh, maybe 12 13 years ago and we're like it's gonna work we're gonna walk with you guys through this process we you know we're gonna stay hand in hand we got you 
here it is. They get through it 12, 13 years later. Here I am, divorced and remarried. They're still together, and they wow. they even tell me to this day, I, I don't know what we would have done without you guys. You know, and I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Almost brought me to tears yeah. to see them actually do the work. Um, when you see people do the work and it's painful and it's yeah and they just stick it out and days goes and weeks and months and then next thing you know they like we're stronger um mm. that was just a, a beautiful testimony and then even for my marriage you know met my wife on instagram and uh she was just one of those women that i just i could not pass i, I did mm. not want to miss getting to know her uh, she's just a rare woman, mm-hmm. like no woman I've ever met. Oh wow! And, and and a beautiful thing about her is, and I think we might have talked about this on on our on the recording we did. The heart that she has for people who can't do anything for her in return, it just speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Like I love that about her. I mean, if it's time to go to war, my wife can be mad at me. She could be ready to chop my head off, but. <laughs> She got your back, it's though, right? It's time to go to war. <laughs> She's like, let's do this. <laughs> Y'all better watch out. Watch out, because she coming. And that's a beautiful thing when you can have someone in your corner. No matter what happens, mm-hmm. they got your back. And she's always telling me, she, she always tell me, I got you. That's every time we deal with stuff, she's like, I got you. Good or bad, mm-hmm. I got you. And it gives me that comfort. So yeah, uh, she's my girl. Love that woman. She's that's incredible. Awesome. That's awesome. Did you? So you said you couldn't pass it up. Was there anything in your mind at one point like, "Ooh, I don't know if I want to do this again." Coming out of a marriage that didn't work, and then my second part of that question is like, what were the things that you applied in this relationship that you didn't really apply in the first relationship that you feel like is giving you that satisfaction that you made the right decision, even though it could be scary to remarry? See how I put your the first part of the question was you said how did what, what was the part first part of the so question? like oh. how did you like make the decision you know was there any like fear there oh, yeah. because someone mm-hmm. could be really great and, and i always say this like you could be the greatest thing since sliced bread but if that person's not ready to receive that bread or eat that bread mm-hmm. or or put some butter on it. Like it's, it's nothing. Nothing's gonna happen. Like it may go a certain to a certain degree, but if they're not ready to commit, they're not ready to commit. So, like, what was the tipping point for you that got you past some of maybe your fears you had coming out of the first marriage, or were you just like, Shh, "This woman's amazing. I'm, I'm in there. I'm gonna do this." Um, I think it was. Well, I know it was me. I said, you know what? I want to live. I felt like in my marriage, my last marriage, because, and I tell people, I think the last five years of my marriage, like we were just existing. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things where it's like, huh? And my ex-wife, she even told me, she said, I know you don't love me anymore. Mm-hmm. We need to go our separate ways, it's okay. And I'm like, we're gonna make this thing work. Yeah. And those five years were miserable. Yeah. So this time around, I'm 40 years old, right? And I'm thinking, I'm going to live my life and meeting this woman, I'm, I'm going to take a chance. And I, and, I, and I feel good about it. And at the end of the day, you just never really know the totality of a person. I was like, she's somebody that I want to get to know. And she even like just stretch me to make me want to become better. Right. Um, 
even after coming out of a divorce, it's just like, oh, okay, you're challenging me in ways to be better. Um, so my biggest fear at the time was just, the biggest fear was, I think, just wanting to know more about her. Um, but I was willing to take the chance. Yeah, yeah. That was that was one of the things I was like, I'm because if you don't take the chance, you never know, right? I like so, what you said, think, though, like how she stretched you and how she made you want to be better and to take this risk even after coming through something difficult. Like you knew what the misery looked like. So in your mind, you're kind of like, man, this feels really great. But I want to know her better because I want to make sure I'm not in the same situation in like five or ten years. So that's that says <laughs> a lot <laughs> Like you were thinking yeah. through all those dynamics. <laughs> For sure. And I don't know if age had anything to play into that. Mm -hmm. because when we married she was 28 and i was 40. oh so there's a big uh, t uh age difference too okay yes yeah. so she was she was one of those people that was like like real like bold like you can do anything you can become well you know it's like it's kind of like this newness right right you know and i was just like uh, like maybe come alive again mm -hmm. um so that was one of the things and then the second part was uh I've learned to become better with my emotions. In my first marriage, I was doing a lot of stonewalling, mm -hmm. a lot of shutting down, uh, emotional unavailability, yeah. or they call it, uh, what is, what is it emotional agility kind of thing. Um, and I struggled with that in my first marriage. And I think a lot of that come from just childhood issues. Mm -hmm. Cause I grew up in that era of children should be seen and not heard. Mm. So for me, it was like, you just take it on a chin. You don't say anything, mm -hmm. you know? So I didn't know how to communicate uh, and that hindered our marriage tremendously. And this time around, I'm learning to be more vocal. Even if it's going to cause some division among us, right. I'm like, you know what? I just need to say this, not so much of in, the, in a bad way. It's just one of those things that you know what? I have to say what I need to say and post the whole knit in and then it comes out another way. Right. I love that. You, you you know, it sounds like you learned to air it out because I feel like people don't do that. And then sometimes they suppress and whatever you suppress, you repress, which goes into your nervous system, which like bothers you more. And then it, bleh, you, you vomit yep. it out and it doesn't come out right at all. So I always feel like it's better to like talk things through in digestible chunks if you have to versus like holding it here, which is heavier. It's a lot heavier to hold things internally. So I love what you said about emotional agility. They also call it like emotional fluency, like just learning to emotionally regulate yourself. Um, and part of that is communication. And I, I feel for men because I feel like women naturally keep like just coming at you like what's wrong what's wrong you're like leave me alone but they will just keep coming to get it out of you and you probably have experiences in your relationship with your wife if you try to shut down it's like she's coming she's gonna keep coming at you in different ways and I think women are just more conditioned because we have outlets where a lot of times we can talk to someone we have safe spaces and for men society does send mixed messages I think it's getting better but the message is be strong be you know be brave you know that, hey, don't cry, just suck it up, which is why then you see men sometimes just break down. And I think that's a buildup of a bunch of emotions that have been sitting here. Um, but I am grateful that we are moving into an era where men are being told it's okay to, to release. It's okay to, to express. And I think another thing I'm hearing in your marriage is like, it's safe. 
for you to do that. So sometimes some of that shutdown comes from not only childhood situations or trauma, right? It's a trauma response, but also being in situations where you have released something to someone and then they throw it back at you or use it against you. And that just, that creates such a defense mechanism for people to just say, you know what, I'm not going to allow this person in. So I commend your wife and you for being steadfast with each other enough to be able to open up and express yourselves. That's, that's so good to hear. And that you recognized yeah. it was a challenge and you're like, let me figure out how to be better at this. And you're reaping the benefits of it in your relationship. Yeah, for sure. And I think even now, especially I think with me being older and just realizing how precious time is. Yes. You know, it's like, you don't have to be prideful or, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you could talk. Mm-hmm. You had that conversation. Um, as I got older, you know, sometimes you just think you're going to be 23 forever. And then you wake up one morning, you're in your 40s. You're like, <laughs> you're like where'd, God, dang, where'd that time go? I agree. I agree. I there, uh, This is us. That show that used to come on uh, NBC. There was a scene where Reginald, the uh, the African-American guy that played on there with his wife, Beth, who was a dancer. Mm-hmm. His dad was dying and his dad was talking to like another young woman. And he said, stop acting. His line was like, stop acting like you have all the time in the world because you don't. And you're going to waste so much time. You're going to look back and regret that you didn't take advantage of making the most of your time. You know, he says something of that nature. And I think you're right. Like I, I lost my parents, my dad last year and my mom a couple of years ago. And it really, and an an uncle that were very core to like my family. And I just, Mm. it made me rethink so many things about life. Um, it, it just, it just totally recalibrated my thought process around just gratitude and being present and definitely achieving the things you want to achieve, but like also being present in love with people and, and showing love and demonstrating love. And so I just, I so can hear what you're saying on the time factor because it's like nothing is promised. And it's like, if this was your last moment, would you look back on that day and be grateful for that day? Would you be like, I really lived that day loving people I love and being there for them? Or would it be a day you'd be like, dang, that was a wash. <laughs> You know, um, so I, I so appreciate your story. I love the work you're doing to just help people cultivate a mindset of not being afraid to take that next step. Is there any words of advice you would offer before we, you know, wrap up our interview that you think someone out there might need to hear that might be scared to remarry <laughs> or think it's scary yeah. to remarry? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to be present. Uh, be present and one thing that has helped me tremendously and and I know this sounds simple but it works wonders if you can don't sleep with your phone in the room yeah I, I've been able to sleep like a baby without my phone in the room and that also signals to my wife that you are important right now mm-hmm I, you know, it's, it's not like we hit a dry space and then, you know, I pick up my phone. It's, no, it's about you right now. Yeah, I'm and guilty. We have better conversations that's, that's because awesome. of it. Yeah, that's awesome advice because the phone is like a huge distraction. And you can't, even though you may be trying to navigate looking at something or doing something on your phone while you're listening to your partner, you're just not there totally. I mean, that's just the reality. Even with your kids, your kids will call you out for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're not hearing me. So I love I like what you're saying. Like just, you know, even if people do phone free time or 
taking it out the room at night, you know, just giving that time and presence to your um, significant other. That's pretty huge. You must have like a digital analog clock or something for your alarm. It's the first thing I know I people do. are thinking. Okay. <laughs> I'm old school for real. And that, that thing, Elizabeth, has served me over 10, 12 years. Like okay. I still, that, that clock still works. Impressive, impressive. Wow. Well, we, we've really appreciated having you um, on the show tonight. And I, I, I th- I'm so thankful that you are sitting here talking to our audience about this topic, because I think there are people that have come through maybe a first marriage that didn't work or relationships that didn't work. And they may have just lost kind of faith in the process. And I think you telling your story is a testimonial, right? That you can get better, you can become stronger, you can be happy um, and in a healthy relationship. But there are just certain things you have to be willing to do. We talked about the accountability piece, the self-accountability, the shadow work. They call it shadow work for a reason because we don't want to deal with those shadows sometimes. But on the other end of that, can it could be just so, so much, um, so many rewards, right? When you can recognize patterns in yourself, break those negative patterns, understand your history, whether it's childhood trauma or things that have happened in other relationships that have created you becoming that person and and really being aware of it and shifting that narrative. So thank you so much, Sean, for coming on the show. If people want to know more about the work you're doing or how to find you, how, where should they uh, look for you? Yes, they can find the website at scarytoremarry.com. There I have a bunch of great content, got some videos going on there, got some great products as well. Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Scary to Remarry, all one word. So across all social media platforms, Scary to Remarry. Yeah, and I'm going to hype Sean up because he's being very modest. My boy Sean works very hard to put really good content out there. Um, he is on YouTube, Instagram. Are you on TikTok as well? TikTok, TikTok yes. Twitter. He's everywhere. Um, but like he said, go to his website. He does have great content. He he brings great people on his own podcast as well who talk about Including different you. Say that again. Including you. Oh, thank you. He's hyping me up now. See, that's sweet. And he's a reciprocal person. I like that a lot too. Like he, <laughs> I feel like the love is mutual. Like we, you know, we both know the work we do. We take it very seriously. We've had our own personal journeys to get to where we are. And we really want people to do things that work. And we take our platforms very seriously. And there's a lot of noise out here, right, Sean? Um, and we want to give people the right information because I feel like people want to come together but I just feel like there's walls that are being built from keeping people to come together because I hear the same thing on both sides because I coach men and women and couples so I I feel like we have a lot of the same intentions and that's why I like to bring people like you on to our podcast because I think that's so important to get that message out there to the world so we are going to wrap it up Uh, tell them your website one more time Yes, scarytoremarry.com. Yeah, go check out Sean Heineman at scarytoremarry.com. And we will be back with another episode. My other better half will be back <laughs> in the next show. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to uh, Bed Talks. And remember, you can find us on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple, iTunes, and many other platforms. Until next time, XOXO.